Welcome to the Noble Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, CK Lin, former tech executive turned entrepreneur. This podcast is about purpose and what other people have already figured out. My intention is that you use these lessons and insights to have more impact, more prosperity, and more joy in life and business. And maybe one day, you even join our tribe. Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warriors where I interview thought leaders about their journey from being a burnout overachiever to reclaiming the joy and purpose so we can learn from them and do the same. And this is a special series I'm doing with Burning Man Think Camp organizers. I'm really excited to have the founder of Playa Alchemist with me today. He's a serial entrepreneur. His holding company, Chrysalis has four portfolio people-first software businesses, IQ Metrics, Kova, Ready, and Shift Lab. He was the captain of the Canadian Taekwondo national team. He also produced the movie Milton's Secret. Please welcome Christopher Kwewulak, also known as CK. <laughs> How are you doing, CK? I'm doing really good. It's so good to have another CK here on the podcast with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Of course. So Lemon One, I want to acknowledge you for introducing me and Sky Nelson Isaacs doing a virtual burn. You are the reason how we got connected. You don't know that, but I'm letting I didn't you know that. that. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We we actually did a talk together uh, at the camp this year. Oh, what was the talk about? You could probably guess if you know Sky. We uh -huh. did. Uh, it was called Pliodipity, the Science mm -hmm. of Synchronicity. So if you don't mind, let's go in there a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. You know, Playa is a place where synchronicities happen quite often. So since you talked to a <laughs> physicist and you yourself are an alchemist, you know, tell us a little bit about what you learned. Why is that the case? Yeah, actually a friend of mine recently started to label... Uh, the Burning Man, a synchronicity. <laughs> um, yeah, well, maybe I'll, I'll back up. Uh, Sky and I met, uh, I think, you know, a little over 10, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had read Carl Jung's book, Synchronicity. Mm -hmm. And um, Jung was working with this physicist, Wolfgang Pauli, on understanding, like, what are the causes of synchronicity? And um, I think, you know, most of your viewers have heard of the, the term, but it's, um, Jung described it as an a-causal connecting principle. So when you have a, an experience that has meaning that um, has no causality, so it just kind of emerges and it seems really, and, and, and it comes up with meaning, you know, that's a synchronicity. So I started to go to different science conferences and then this is where I ran into Sky. And Sky, uh, he was studying physics at the time, but his whole interest was synchronicity. So we we really hit it off, and we've been friends ever since. And we we talk uh, pretty regularly. And uh, yeah, and so the you know Sky had reached out to me, and he wanted to come back to Burning Man, and uh, and we started to discuss you know the possibility of of, of doing a talk. And uh, um, it was actually kind of an emergent thing. You know, we just, we were just discussing it and, and discussing about all the synchronicities and it was kind of obvious that we should do this talk together. So that's how it mm -hmm. came. So that was the origin, how Sky got to be there. What, 
I'm so curious, what's the content, right? What is the, what was the reason uh, that you have deduced together why Playa is such a place where synchronicities, serendipities happen so frequently there? Yeah, like, like many, we, you know, that go to Burning Man, the synchronicity is off the charts. We, um, and, and so we were exposing that, that I guess we explored the question, you know, why, why is that, you know, what are the causes of, of synchronicity? Is it the, you know, the playa dust, obviously, you know, there's no way we, we can tell that it's conducive, but, um, uh, so we explored it from both a scientific perspective, you know, um, Sky has written uh, a book um, about synchronicity and he's explored potential principles rooted in quantum mechanics that show how synchronicities might happen. And um, I've been exploring my own experiments. I've done a lot of different experiments on trying to create synchronicity in my life, looking at the patterns, you know, what happens at Burning Man. At Burning Man, there's almost this like torrential flow. You can sort of feel this energy flowing around and you can step into it. And then when you step into it, it takes you away and all these synchronicities happen and uh, it's, it's very magical. And then at the same time, you can step out of it. And so I was like experimenting with this and, and, and observing this. And, uh, uh, and yeah, we, we um, you know, we, we explored it from again, a few angles, you know, one, one angle that, um, you know, I uh, was sharing is how important mind heart coherence is in a really healthy way so that that idea of really being whole and you know stepping into your your kind of your deeper self and not having any expectations you know not having any any um judgments uh, uh and just sort of being present which is a really subtle state to get to mm -hmm. and um and uh yeah, we we talked for about an hour and a half on it, so we explored explored quite a few different angles. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, we could we could we could go deeper into that today if you like. Uh, I will love that. Uh, <laughs> I, maybe not the whole hour and a half content. Yeah, but sure, maybe sure. maybe just a high level. Like, hey, here are the three points that you can get because part of the mythology of Burning Man is. Oh, Burning Man is a very special place, and it is uh, where synchronicities happen. Uh, and if I want to manifest certain things, I must go back to that location or that time of the year, you know, with all the burners out there. By but my point of view is Burning Man is amazing, and you get a glimpse of what's possible. Take that what you learn the insights, the lessons, so then bring it back to the default world, as we call it, right? The Grand Playa. And to me, that's where the work is. But yeah. I'm curious to know what lessons and insight that you have, you know, deduced. Yeah, yeah. Well, you clearly have had synchronicities on the Playa. Mm -hmm. I have. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Have you learned anything uh, um, that has cultivated more synchronicity in your life that you brought back from Burning Man? I'm curious to hear. Let's see. <laughs> if I think about it on the spot... I would say, ah, a couple of things. One key lesson that I learned this year, that is, you know how Henry Thoreau said, most people live lives of quiet desperation, yeah? Have you heard that before? I've heard that quote, yeah, I didn't. Okay, great. 
Now he didn't really get into the mechanics of what is it and and how do how do you live life of quiet desperation? And the lesson that I learned this year is well, uh, if you're not clear about your intention, that leads to a life of quiet desperation. If you are clear about it, but if you don't express your desire, that leads to a life of quiet desperation. If you're clear about it, you express it, but you don't do anything about it. You don't make an effort. Or if you do all that and you're attached to the outcome, that leads to a life of quiet desperation. So, you know, to do the opposite in my mind, right? You're, you have a clear intention, you express it to yourself and to another human being in a skillful way, and you make an effort to actualize, to manifest that intention and also not being attached, as you alluded to earlier. Yeah. To me, these are, you know, not predictable, not deterministic, right? And then if you do these things, then you will create serendipity, synchronicity in the world. But I think the probabilistic outcome is a whole lot more and more magical. Your life is a lot more quote unquote magical if you can, you know, hold on to those uh, principles. Yeah, yeah. No, that that that's great. It's really like, knowing who you are and what you want and that's almost makes up your your paradigm right and how you show up in the world and when um and i would agree with that once you're clear on that that increases your resonance especially and so when i was talking about coherence it's hey everyone just want to take a quick break to ask for your support as you know i don't run any ads or sell anything on this podcast the only way I can continue to bring you inspiring stories and ideas is if you help me spread the word. By rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast, you can help even more entrepreneurs and leaders to discover, express, and amplify their purpose. You can help them have a better relationship with themselves, trust their intuition, and pursue things that bring them more aliveness in life and in business. It only takes you a few seconds to leave a review and it means the world to me. But more importantly, it could change someone's life. So if you have a moment, please rate and review this podcast and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for your support. Now back to the episode. Bringing those together and unifying those, those three dimensions and in alchemy uh they have this the, the triangle is represented by salt sulfur and mercury they all have they represent that's um kind of the metaphorical you know this the the salt is the body you've got the spirit and and the soul at the highest levels and you go through the process of purifying <clears throat> actually quick question yeah, what's, the dif what's the difference between spirit and soul in this case, because in my mind, there's synonymous. So what's the distinction between the two? Yeah, yeah. A spirit is an energy that you bring in the below realm and soul is an above realm. And, and spirit is a finite energy and soul is an infinite energy. And mm. um, and so the the process of alchemy, and it's in our talisman, the, the symbols, the seven operations that you see in, in the Ouroboros, that is a process in which you purify each of these essences, if you want to call that. And so the three you, you talked about are actually 
beautifully would make up a trinity or a triad of wholeness. And so you go through this process of purification through each of these, and then that increases the, the purity, which will increase, you know, metaphorically the resonance, if you want to use that term. And by purifying and bringing it to each of those parts of you to its highest form, and then integrating that into a whole, that's where you would increase your highest resonance. And, um, and this is like a lifelong process. Um, in, in alchemy too, they, they, one of the axioms is that every, you know, that the universe is striving for perfection. And so are we, and, um, and that everything has its highest form. And so a lot of people are familiar with lead to gold as kind of what alchemists would do. Um, but lead is what they saw as the lowest metal. So if you think of lead, it's heavy, it's toxic, you know, you don't want to eat it and um, doesn't have the best qualities, but inside of it is what you need to make gold. So it's like the, if you're familiar with the tarot, the, the fool, he's carrying that backpack with the sack. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know it, uh, but everything he needs to become the magician or the alchemist is actually inside of him. So he already has it. And then the highest metal is gold. And so gold has these incredible properties. You know, it's, uh, we need it. Like we wouldn't be doing this conversation without gold. It's an, it's an essential, because of its um, ability to move energy, it's an essential um, element to all of our computing as example. So, so gold was the highest and lead was the lowest. So when you look at the, the symbols in our talisman, the, the first symbol is actually the symbol for lead. Um, also the symbol, there's always a, a um, correspondence in alchemy. So that's also the symbol for Saturn, which is, there was this, the slowest planet out there. So these are more archetypal uh, energies that these, these represent. And then the process, of course, takes you to, you know, the highest. So it's a continual process of evolving and moving to a more nobler metal if you want to call it that mm. uh i'm taking notes uh yeah well there's there's a lot of layers in in, in alchemy so we'll yeah we'll, so we'll, we'll wade into the pool we won't go i i love that within what is it 10 minutes we're going right into the depth the of the esoterics that is alchemy I love it. Um, so zoom out a little bit because you are a serial entrepreneur. You're a very practical guy, right? And then, and then you're also a serious student of alchemy. You know, on the surface itself, it seems counterintuitive because you're a very practical person, but yet you're also very interested in the esoteric science or, or the esoteric studies of alchemy. So Tell us a little bit about the origin story. How, how did you arrive here? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, yeah, very, very logical. But when I was young, uh, I was, you know, I was um, always dreaming, I guess. And, and I was a lucid dreamer. So lucid is when you are dreaming, but you're awake. So you, so I would almost blend, you know, what was, um, Kind of my dream world with my real world they they, they were that the boundary was it was not so clear for me but in my normal world was that cultivated was it a talent that you just had 
it just was there. It was, um, you know, and I, I think we're born with a lot of capabilities that um, that maybe we we drift away from. You know, from from being quite young. I I um, I think it's part of us our journeys to rediscover. You know, these these deeper capabilities. And then I was also having synchronicities all the time. And and to me, synchronicities was just the this is just a an artifact of the universe. I, I I thought it was normal. And it wasn't until I got older that I that I realized that no, 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 these these aren't normal. You do not speak about these. And around that time, my synchronicity started to go down. So my sort of observing of that as not being natural and and maybe the the other part was the the order that came into my life from you know not being a child anymore and you know needing to go to school and pay attention do what you're told this took me away from that state of being and um and then I've always wanted to go back there <laughs> you know it's like as I got older and um I I came across, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jung's synchronicity. And, and I didn't even, you know, I hadn't even heard of that term. It's like, wow, this is a thing. There's actual thing. Of course, it's, um, you know, a bit of an esoteric, you know, part of study. He did bring it into the scientific realm. And, um, you know, that led me on that journey. Then I got deep into Jung. Uh, I read everything Jung. I even, uh, I even traveled to, um, he has his home, Bullington, on, on Lake Zurich. I, I got deep into his work. And, uh, and with that, he had this series of books on, on alchemy. And I had not um, called a psychology to alchemy. They're quite thick. And I um, did not uh, go into that work. You know, part of it was the thickness of the books, but it just seemed too, too esoteric for me. And one day, I and I, I picked up the series of books. I'm part of the Union Institute here, and I ended up buying the books at their library fair. And uh, but I'd never opened them up. I just put them in my library. And then one day, I picked them up and started to go through it. And I started to really connect with the symbols. And it reminded me of this dream. I had this very unique dream uh, many years earlier. And in this dream, I was like staring in this deep blue and I was in a really beautiful state. And there's these fibers kind of floating everywhere. And, and then wherever I would stare, these fibers would come together and form these symbols. Did you say fire burst? Fi fibers would come. Oh, fibers. Uh -huh. Yeah, they're like almost like a white. Uh, it's really like they seem like something. Um, yeah, I, I mean... Perhaps a computer could generate something like it, but it it was it was um, you know fractal like in in parts of it as well, mm. and they would form these symbols, and then I would just like look away and just go into a gaze, and then I'd look somewhere else, and they would form a new symbol, and I connected what I saw in the imagery in the book to this dream, <laughs> so that was my synchronicity, if you want to call it, to get deep into alchemy and mm. so that's that's what led me on that that journey but i did i did resist it for 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 a while and i can't say i i mean there's um i can't say that you know 
it has any clear teachings. It's more of a framework. It's mm -hmm. more of, um, you know, like there's certain deep principles, like we were talking about correspondence, you know, this idea of the correspondence between um, Saturn, you know, the planet Saturn in lead, as an example, the correspondence between the below realm and the above realm. Another correspondence of Saturn with the mind is ego, where gold, which is the same symbol for sun, is the correspondence or, or the relationship is that of enlightenment. Um, or if you actually go into quantum mechanics, you know, correspondence, um, the best example would probably be Niels Bohr's concept of complementarity, uh, wave particle duality. This is a correspondence where, um, you know, the wave and the particle, um, they correspond to each other. Uh, at the same time, they're opposite and together they are one. So it seems to be a deep, a deep design um, foundation. It's a deep axiom of how the universe works. And it's very interesting that alchemy sort of understood this so long ago. And now, you know, that we understand quantum mechanics, we can sort of see there's a, there's a deep congruence with how we are, you know, how quantum mechanics works to the uh, axioms of, um, of alchemy. And like, you probably have heard, like, there's this writing called the Emerald Child, but you probably would have heard this first no, idea. Not. No, what's uh, that? You would have heard of this, as above, so below, so below, yep. as above. That's essentially that principle of correspondence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me actually drill on this a little bit. <clears throat> I think this is interesting because some people, uh, I actually, you don't know this, but I myself, I'm a lucid German too. Oh, wow. Too. wow. Yeah. So, and I thought it was normal yeah. that you could control your dreams. And I didn't know that until decades later. That's, that's a unique thing that lots of people strive to do that was gifted with that, you know, ability. Quick, quick, quick uh, question, just to qualify. Are you still lucid dreaming? Has it increased or decreased? Give me a sense of the, yeah, do it. I would say these, so when I was younger, it was def definitively deterministic. Okay. I could, I could, you know, on demand, you could, I could do whatever it is I want right. to do. And I was, you, you lost know, those powers. I have. Yes. <laughs> and so these days is not as obvious. Sometimes yeah. I could do it, but not as much. Right. Right. And, and, and yeah, I'm aware that people are actively studying how to do this consciously. So, yeah. But I'm also not so in tune with why you want to do that consciously, and and if you cultivated the skill, what's possible. So maybe you can help me answer those questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just just curious. It, it's um, it's a general pattern that I've seen though. Is uh, you know, this with with other capabilities, we we lose them, and so you know, you can regain them. Um, but and what are the mechanisms? Is it that coherence? getting to it's and so so i i i think we are born in that more pure state and um it seems to be that um there's a yeah there's a connection to to these these elements now uh there are still hacks to to get there but they're not necessarily the the best thing to do 
perhaps in uh, in getting there. In the same way, you know, some people will use you know psychedelics to to mm. get to the state that um, you know meditators spend do a lot of work. You know, sometimes you need to do the work in order to, uh, especially if you want to sustain these states as more mm. of default mode, right? Rather than just getting windows or glimpses back into these places. Well, let me ask you this. So for someone like me or someone who aspire to be a lucid dreamer, why? why what, how is that, you know, practically speaking, valuable in one's life other than, oh, it's a more entertaining experience at night, right? Other than that, why, why even exert the effort to, you know, cultivate, practice the skills of lucid dreaming? Yeah, well, it's an incredible realm to do the work to do. You can go into your subconscious, like your, your, um, you know, kind of in a way that Burning Man allows you to dance with your subconscious in a way that's better than the normal world. In your dreams, is um, the characters that will emerge that you can actually interact with. You know, not just observe, but interact with. That is. Um, um, you know, that, that is the beauty of lucid dreaming is to, is to, is to do that work. Mm. Can you say more about that? Actually, I'm not very clear. What do you mean by that? Sorry, which part? The, the work. What's the work? Oh, yeah. Like the alchemical work of, yeah, you know, and if you want to, um, you know, part of it of what, uh, is unconscious, making it conscious. If you're familiar with Jung's shadow mm -hmm. work. And so, you know, the, the, the alchemical work of, 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 um, you know, finding that true self, you know, what you describe, you know, those three dimensions you described earlier for yourself, like, what is your intention? Like what, you know, and, and your intention can evolve, you know, depending on, you know, that, you know, some people know what their intention for their lifetime is going to be and others, it's a constant becoming. Mm. And, um, and so you're able to absolutely, yeah, do that work. You can certainly go and play, just as some people maybe go to play at Burning Man. But meanwhile, even when you're playing, you know, the work emerges often while you're you're doing that. There's a, an author, um, I remember his name, Gateway to the Self, and, mm -hmm. and basically he makes the um, he he writes about. I actually ran into him at another science conference uh, many years ago as well. Um, but yeah, this, I believe it's called Lucid Dreaming Gateway to the Self. And he writes about this work. Mm. Okay. Well, book. let's, uh, well, the quote that I was trying to quote is until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you, you will call it fate. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I think the work that you're referring to is how do you make the unconscious more conscious during yeah. the dreaming state? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And um, part of that is like the light that you use to shine on the shadow. And um, we can actually bring this back to Burning Man. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things I love about Burning Man is that light um, through peak experience, you know, when you show up, you can actually light up parts of, you know, like your bliss or what Joseph, you know, what Joseph Campbell calls your bliss, those things that make you alive that creates light. And at that time, it can shine on some of your shadow. And this is what I think leads to so much 
growth at Burning Man because these peak experiences, they, they trigger that, that awareness of, of growth and we're able to see th parts of ourselves we, we didn't see before. And then we can do that work. And uh, this is why like, when, you know, Burning Man is so synonymous with personal growth and transformation. Yeah, I was listening to the Burning Man podcast yesterday, just so that I can get familiar with what exactly uh, are their philosophies clearly articulated. And part of um, you know, one guest said, the reason why Burning Man is so quote unquote transformative isn't because they uh, are intention, in, in, intentional to create a container of transformation per se. They do have some rules and boundaries, but ultimately it's a place where you know, all of the uh, subtle intentions are taken away. It's not about accumulation of money or status yeah. or power. So if so, then your subconscious is then freed up to say, well, okay, I don't have to do any of those things. Now what? So every little decisions that you choose and Burning Man is, 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 is more from the space of, okay, yeah. I'm free to do whatever I want. What do I want to do? Do I want to go to uh, Playa Alchemist to listen to a talk or the Orgy Dome or get a coffee or mm -hmm. hang out with my friends, go, you know, go visit some arts or whatever the thing? I would say that's part of it, but that's not all of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll share with you uh, one of the synchronicity experiments I did. I What I tried to do was uh, look at when did I have synchronicities? What were the conditions and recreate those conditions? So I called it my perfect day. And I ran this mm -hmm. experiment as you do in alchemy uh, that you have to run them like three times is sort of the minimum. Mm -hmm. And uh, so three days I ran this perfect day. And so I, I did all these wonderful things. I had a bit of a structure, but no timeline. And um, so I would move from one activity and when I felt ready to go to the next one and then go to the next one, and then my day would unfold. So I did this experiment and part of it was emptying the mind other than this loose architecture. Mm -hmm. And after three days, nothing. I was like, not even, not even one possible synchronicity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was like, um, you know, obviously. Is, this is a Burning Man? No, no, this was not a Burning Man. This was outside, uh, you know, and, uh, okay. and, and so I was just looking in the, in the kind of what are the things, you know, had some influence from Burning Man, um, but I was trying to recreate those conditions. Then the next day i i liked those i was uh, i liked the things i was doing i just ended up doing roughly the same thing and the synchronicities were off the chart mm. so yes part of it is we impose too much order and structure that take up our mind that is absolutely part of it but much more important is the subtleness of how we show up you mm. know how do we how we be in the world what we look for you know if you think of the observer effects we can't look directly for things and so there's a real subtle art and i in the first days of this experiment even subconsciously i think i was looking for these 
um, outcomes, you know, mm-hmm. I was just like, okay. And in the same way, you know, the, your, um, you know, the way the observer effect affects quantum experiments, right. It disrupts mm-hmm. that wave that mm-hmm. comes. And, um, and so that next day I just forgot about it all. And then it started to happen. So this, there's this cultivating of this subtle way of being that's really, really, um, it's really fragile too. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. take much to, um, you know, to kind of hijack your mind, you know? And so this is, um, and, and, and this state, you can get shocked into this state at Burning Man. Part of it is, it's a series of conditions like the, the difficulties, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the storm, you're like, you have a plan and that mm-hmm. plan just gets blown up. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that will help you gift the state of surrender. And, and the other part of course is certainly, you know, just your heart opening up. Your heart is a great um, way to, to um, calm your mind and let get you out of your mind. So that heart mind coherence, and that happens with all the love at Burning Man. So there's, you know, so there, yes, there's a lot more of these conditions that, um, you know, lead to synchronicities at Burning Man. And, you know, one of the things in our society is the, um, you know, the, the order, you know, the, that we impose, you know, we're not supposed to live in this much order and this much structure, you know, even for me, the scheduling of this was quite difficult. I would have, uh, and I think we discussed the possibility of this being more emergent (laughs) and, Mm uh, the, um, we put too much order in our, in our society and we, um, we're not able to follow the natural flows or the natural wave of things in, you know, and as you know, if you're a surfer, if you miss the wave, you miss the wave. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, so this is one of the things that, that I, um, I'm kind of going back to your previous question, still sort of answering your current question, but, um, uh, but yeah, that's something that I, I, um, I would say that is also really important is how you show up and then connected to that at a real fundamental level is, um, is, is development our human development is that that led to gold, you know, ego does not play well in synchronicity. You can create things in the, in what alchemy calls the lower realm. And that's where like black magic sits, but, um, ego and synchronicity do not go well together. And those, um, uh, especially go ahead before we go into that uh, i think that's a juicy topic in itself i wanted to double click on this tension between surrender full surrender to the waves right of the ocean uh versus intention because i think that's something juicy here if i'm so attached to my intention i'm grasping for things then uh from my experience, right? Uh, that's where suffering comes because yeah. I'm attached to the yeah. outcome. But at the same time, if I don't have any intention at all, I'm just kind of going with the flow of the ocean of the universe, then also I'm just going to go with flow, right? So I think there's a subtlety there um, that you're discussing because you you mentioned other things like 
um, the difficult environment forces you to surrender. So that, that, that's a great question. Uh, let's yeah. go back to you. So the, you describe these this triad of of you know parts of you and intention being one of them, correct? Yes, being yeah. clear about what is it that you desire or what yeah. I desire, correct? Yeah, and so the the you can look at this like at the higher levels those three and it can be more are like the bearings of your compass mm -hmm. and if your compass is like not calibrated or you don't know where north is the compass is sort of you know not going to help guide you in the Correct. right way. Mm -hmm. um it's also not a foundation you know of um resonance when when you're unsure about those now in um it, it's okay when you're younger to have goals and that would be associated with um work in the material realm and um so if your intention has a goal associated with it it's um you know, it can be okay when you're young, but this is because you're learning. When you get, um, when you transcend that and you're starting to do the, uh, and, and I'm using alchemical terms, but there's like, a, there's like the lower work, which is mastering of the material realm. And then there's a higher work, which is ma uh, the mastering of the above realm. And in the above realm is the realm of infinite energy and the below realm is finite energy. And when you get to the above realm, if you're doing the work there, goals are problematic and milestones and you know targets, KPIs, whatever. Uh, you can you can look at things. They're 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 always helpful. But um, I uh, very explicitly in our business, you know, we allow we people will create aims, but it's more like a scaffolding. So it's okay to have, hey, this is where I think we're going, but it's it can change. And it's not like, it's not what matters. What matters is those bearings that we spoke about. It's like, you know, your intention should come from who you are. Like these, this is what, like, what's your personal myth? What matters to you? What do you, what's inside of you that wants to come out? And that could be a process. So the goals that you set along the way, that will help you learn about yourself. And then mm -hmm. when you know that self, then you will let go of all goals because goals will get in the way. Um, and it's a subtle, it's a subtle art right it's very um it's not very clear and um and and it's because too like we don't know right like to have a goal means that oh you know i know this is <laughs> how can we know right how mm -hmm. can we know the really important things and so we have to and this is what creates synchronicity it's like being clear on that compass and allowing for emergence so if i were to rewind you know my life um, like five-ish years. Um, I have a Burning Man camp. I never, you know, that was an emergent thing. I was leaving Burning Man. I guess it is a little more than five years where the idea came, but but the, the camp is, yeah, five years old now. Mm. And um, I have a new baby. And this mm -hmm. is 
if child, I didn't, you know, that's emergent. Also chrysalis, that's um, this entity that we, where we, um, this is what you called, I guess, a holding company. We, we don't, um, we don't know exactly what to call it yet, but we were calling ourselves a meta company because we help support these other companies, but the term meta is, is maybe not, uh, since Facebook branded themselves meta is, is not maybe the best. Um, but I didn't know that was going to exist. And then we created these new, some of these new companies and I didn't know that was going to exist. These were not planned. These were just emergent. And, and what I love about that too, if I were to look five years into the future, of course, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, um, and to, you, you know, it, it's, it's, um, so I want, okay, to your point, 100% align with you. It's, to me, uh, the metaphor I give my listener a lot is, you know, have an intention, but hold it loosely, like how you hold a fish. If you hold a fish too tight, it goes away. If you don't hold it at all, it goes away, right? So hold it loosely. But I want to double click on, on yeah. what, the, the, what you said earlier about your perfect day experiment. Yeah. Because you said that you had an intention, however subtle it might be, and it didn't create any kind of synchronicity at all. But the day after, you threw the intention away, so to speak, and then yet the synchronicities were off the chart. So double-clicking on this point exactly is, do you set an intention and then throw it away, or you revisit, look at loosely how Fire Alchemist is going to come about, you know, once in a while, every 90 minutes or every day or whatever, every quarter, or every week, you know, so the tactics, the tactical moments is what I'm curious about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you ask a question specifically about Playa Alchemist there, or are you just using that as an example? I'm using that as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, um, the, when, when you, when you're young, it's it's okay to you know be really clear because that's part of that um, your your learning journey. But mm -hmm. the the yeah, it's a subtle art. It's kind of kind of like thinking of order and chaos. You know, what's that place? Like I, I don't for anyone that's done extreme sports. Um, like one of the sports I do now is mountain biking. I, I live here in Vancouver, so climbing up and like. Where's the center between, you know, leaning in and, you know, to describe that almost impossible because it's a mm -hmm. surrender in the state and you have to have confidence, but you can't be overconfidence. You can't mm -hmm. overestimate yourself. You can't underestimate yourself because mm -hmm. both of these, both of these um, will lead to um, a crash. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just like in life, you know, you can underestimate, you know, we see ego often can overestimate or underestimate self depending on what side of the duality they're in but it's really the unification of those forces and that's the correspondence or the complementarity that has to come into play and that's where that subtlety that subtle art of of essentially integration mm -hmm. allows you to find that 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 center and um like i said when at some point you will surrender intentions just to more of like a bearing of a compass where the intention is not going to have any destination or any outcome 
like it won't look like anything that has a destination it's more of something that's infinite always going to be it will manifest its way in different ways but it's um you know it will never be achieved because it's it's more fundamental to your being because you're getting deeper into your being and and that's sort of um when you get deeper you you leave the material realm or the finite realm and get to like more fundamental what's more infinite after that before we go into camp because we're you know i, I do want to get into specifically my alchemist the camp <clears throat> how would you articulate i call it the horizon because you know you never arrived at the horizon but it's the direction that you head towards right yeah. how how would you articulate that direction that north star that horizon for ck for christopher well i i um i, I read plato when i was 18 and uh a quote from socrates i always loved is the unexamined life is not worth living and i um you know i i never had like a mission and um but after doing things for a while, I was able to reflect and go like, what's the pattern that is me? And so I, I basically quit school in, in grade five and I, and I hated, um, you know, I had, I had an experience, which is another story that triggered, you know, this, this quit. So I quit in my mind and I would daydream. And, and then when I was 18, I got a job where my dad worked, which was a, a, a factory mm -hmm. and I'm, excited okay i'm in the real world i'm gonna make money and you know i'm finished with this you know waste of time that they called school and i very quickly realized that this is just like school <laughs> you mm -hmm. behave you know it's a socialized mind you know do what you're told stay stay in your box and everything is going to be okay and this is not humane this is not for people so this is mm -hmm. the reason i started a business was purely emergent i wanted to create a better environment i didn't think that um you know this was for humans we're not supposed to be this way so i started my my first business which still exists um when i was 18 and i was just looking you know to create a place for me to survive and first and foremost but to create a more humane place and then um years ago i um I um, picked up, um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Simon Sinek, you know, his, mm -hmm. um, his Star with Why, Star with Why book, and and uh, and he's a he's a pretty good orator and storyteller. I really I really like his, um, you know, the frames in which he views things from, and and he has this workbook that kind of you know find your your purpose, right? Uh, so I, I went through that and. Uh, and in my reflection, I came to realize that I like to create conditions or community where mm. people transform. Mm. And, and then, so I just looked at the different things, including creating the camp at Burning Man, you know, which was, uh, you know, and me taking people to Burning Man and seeing their transformations and seeing how it helped me. I want to create a more intentional container around transformation and uh, but going back to my experience in grade five it was um a somewhat of a traumatic experience but i had also sort of stepped into my own being and i took 
agency or I, I sort of claimed my sovereignty and my identity. And that was a transformation. And, um, and I, I, I also like looked at what happened to me as like, well, we all are on this journey and we all have to claim our sovereignty. And uh, so I've been, uh, much of what I do, whether it be in writing or, uh, which, is, which is newer to me, but um, certainly in the business entities. And uh, we, um, in, in our um, organization, we use self-organizing or self-managing principles. So we have a operating system that supports emergence, you know, rather than a traditional power hierarchy that tries to, you know, control and predict, use incentives to, you know, control behaviors. Um, it's really the, I would say the opposite of that, but it's, it's the next level of that. So if there's like a lower levels competition at higher levels, cooperation, and it doesn't mean that there's no competition in there, but it's for the higher purpose of cooperation for the betterment of everybody. I love it. So if I'm hearing you say your North Star, your the direction, the horizon, I'm mixing analogies, but you know, yeah, what I mean. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, is to create containers where people transform in a yeah. nutshell. Ultimately, everything that you do that guides you, the writing, the video series, the, yeah, the yeah. companies that you form, the Burning Man camps that you run, that's 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 guiding you. That's Correct. the North Star. And when you transform to these, you know, if you want to call it, you know, like in that journey of alchemy, getting closer to your gold or your inner gold, uh, as an example, synchronicities well increase. And, you know, just as your synchronicities increase, guess what happens? You become more spiritual because mm -hmm. you get introduced to something that has meaning. You know, and especially when, you know, they bring, you know, light into your life. And so, you know, I feel like this is, this is potentially one reason why we're here is to, you know, go through this evolution. Yep. And what alchemy was for is that they believe that, you know, there is this natural cycle and by understanding the operations and the practices and the principles, they could accelerate that. So how do we accelerate the process to that highest being or that highest self? And that's the whole purpose of it. You can't skip steps. You know, you can't go do the work. The work has to happen, but can it happen a lot faster? Uh, yes, it can. Um, not everything, but often people will get stuck. So like the, you know, the first operations a fire operation, something happens to you, calcination. And um, then you need to dissolve it away, you know, before, um, you know, you, you, you need to, you know, get rid of that calcination. And, um, you know, often people can get stuck there, you know, be dissolving. They could have finished their dissolving, but they don't take the next step. And the next step after you dissolve things away is to separate. And at this step, decide, and this requires, you know, confidence and um, but what do I want to keep and what do I want to throw away? And maybe you want to even bring something new. So you bring a set of new ingredients together to what's called um, conjunction. Actually getting to that, that separation phase, if you want to look at it from um, 
a, a global perspective, we're almost um, much of what we see in the world today is about separation. Mm -hmm. And um, even in our psyches, in ourselves, in society, we're seeing the polarities uh, play out, the culture wars. Um, globally, we're, we're um, you know, moving to a more multipolar world. And, um, but, um, so we'll, we'll, you know, we go to the conjunction, we bring these new ingredients together. Um, but again, a lot of people think that when you bring these ingredients together, it's like, oh, you know, and I'll use the example of goals. Oh, I, you know, I want to get this new car. I want to get, you know, all these things. That's a conjunction, bring those things together. And you think, oh, I'm going to be happy now or whatever the story that they told themselves was about that but but when you actually bring ingredients together there's another death and rebirth so if you think of wine you know you bring grapes and yeast and all these ingredients together um in the process of making wine you don't yet have wine you know those ingredients then need to ferment and in that process there's another death and another rebirth and so this is where the spirit can be, you know, the essence of that, the grapes can, can come out. Um, so by understanding the process, you, um, you can accelerate your own human, you know, evolution. And yeah. this, is, this, is, this is what, so alchemists would study the material realm. So what worked with metals can also work for the human spirit. And that's that correspondence. So in the material realm, the there were insights in just working with, um, you know, with matter. And that's where the principles and the laws were derived from. Would you say the purpose, them adding what you're saying to play alchemist together, would you say that the purpose of play alchemist is such that you introduce these mechanics mm -hmm. of alchemy to the burners that stay with the camp or visit the camp yeah well i was um i was leaving burning man in 2015 and after you know coming year after year inviting a few more people i um and seeing i think that year i particularly saw a lot of transformations in people and um so i was leaving and this is where the idea it just came to me all at once and i didn't know why i just it was like do this camp and, um, you know, theme it, you know, tie it to alchemy and uh, build a pyramid. And it had to be the, the dimensions of Giza. And I'm not, a, I'm not into pyramids. I, I don't, I don't, I've never been to Egypt before, but I mean, the pyramid symbol is a symbol for fire and, um, and uh, the pyramid itself represents, you know, is an alchemical uh, symbol. Five represents the four elements with the fifth. Um, and, um, but I didn't actually know <laughs> why. I was just like, you have to do this. And, and I, I drew out the camp right away. Like it was, it, it was, um, it was pretty, um, like it was just, it was like more of like a download, which doesn't happen to me often. And in alchemy, when you have things that come to you from the above realm. So when something comes from the outside, truly like a, a message, there's actually a, like a, it's a law. You must follow those. Uh, so this mm. is um, this was sort of when I got this. It wasn't like should I do this. It was like 
no. Oh shit. I have to do this. <laughs> okay. So double clicking on that real quick. That's yeah. an important distinction. When something comes from above, you must follow it quickly. Yeah. Say more about that because at Burning Man or other places, meditation retreat, ayahuasca ceremonies, whatever the case may be, people receive things and some of them just follow it quickly, whatever the thing says. And some of them uh, take some time to discern, to think about, to really, you know, meditate and let it contemplate, you know, what yeah. is the message within. So different schools of thought there. Say more about what you just said. Wow. Yeah. No, great, great question again. Um, so this is the, the alchemist, which um, has done the work and the work allows you to discern between where something comes from. So if you think about it, our minds are constantly processing and we'll have a lot of intuitions that will come to us that'll be from the mind. Some of it's really useful, some of it's not. And um, and so knowing, you know, but knowing it's like a scenario, like, you know, you could be going through an issue and your, your mind could present a scenario to you. The ability to discern that it's coming from your mind is a skill that um, requires, you know, the work to be done. And, and in fact, um, a lot of people will function only from the plane of mind. So they actually are not accessing, you know, the, um, you know, the higher messages. Now, when you have access to, you know, if you're, if you're more in resonance with, with um, the ability to get these, you know, if you're having synchronicities as an example, and you're having these you will start to get messages from the outside, but often they're blended with your mind. And so at times, you know, like if you think of a spectrum, here's like the mind and here's the outer world and here's the inner world of the mind and the outer world of the collective um, unconscious or whatever you want to call it, um, sometimes in the center. These ones are difficult to unfold, but because you have to then go and like, okay, well, what's, what's from the outside? What did I, what noise did I put into this? And is that noise useful or not? So you have to do the work. But there are times when you know something is clearly from the outside. It's not from your shadow. It's not, you know, from your, um, you know, it's clearly something, some sort of guide from the outside. And so um, I am not, um, like, I am not a master in this myself. I, I know when it's from the mind. I know when it's from here, when it's really pure mind or I, I get, I get uncertain when it's blended and, um, and I'm still developing, you know, this, this skill, but, um, but I can, I can certainly discern, you know, those two and um, yeah, we could go more into that, but that's a high level response to your question. I appreciate it. One of the practice that I learned it may be really simple, but it helps me discerning ideas from the mind versus idea from the spirit. Yeah. That is uh, simply just put your hand on your heart and then feel like what does the heart desire? Because the heart is essentially to me is the spokesperson of the spirit. So then yeah. I can discern what is the, the busyness of the mind, the content that the mind produces versus what is coming from the depth of my spirit, my soul. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to the outside, it's really like, like you don't know where it comes from. Like, it's just like all of a sudden it's like, it's truly like, um, you know, and, and it appears and it's, it's very wise, you know, like there's, you, you know, like I, I got this when like about the camp, um, like all it was there all at once <laughs> I, and I had to use my mind to like put the pieces together but yeah and um so there's um for me there's certain characteristics of each that I've come to to understand um, so, so you receive this message tied to alchemy built it at the dimension of the Giza yeah uh, and then then what yeah so then I went home and I drew up a one-page concept while it was fresh. I put everything on one page and um, and almost like a vision board, you could say. It's like, okay. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm still, ask me like, why am I needing to do this? I'm still trying to understand the answers. Cause like, where do you, where do you get a pyramid from, right? Like you go to amazon.com, like, so I, um, and then I went to Burning Man in 2016. I said, okay, I have to decide, you know, when. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so I went to Burning Man in 2016 and with the um, looking for the answer and the answer came. And so I decided to, to um, bring the camp to life in 2017, which is our first year. Um, that's also when I met, uh, I think you, you, You've met Anna, my my partner. I met her mm -hmm. in 2016 as well. We had a series of synchronicities. We I first met her, I saw her at a camp, and then she came and introduced herself and says, Oh, hi, I'm I'm Anna from Ukraine. And um, but there was a, a deep soul connection. Mm. And uh then five more times I ran into her in random places in like 24 hours and so the very very last time i got her her email address mm. i love that yeah and the rest is history now you have yeah a, now we have a, a child. little exactly yeah well okay so someone who lived the philosophy or practice the philosophy of alchemy who loves to think about synchronicities any indicators you know for the playa romance you know people who experience playa romance <laughs> I, well i mean the yeah the synchronicities are there's something there you know and and um you know in my case it took it took five times before I got the courage to ask her for even some contact info. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was the universe that was bringing us together. And, and we, we even met like in obscure camps in the back, you know, I would end up drawn there for some reason and then she would appear and she's like, wow, what, what's, you know, it was like, it was the same place as random places all over the, the, the playa. And then I also, um, I was working on the the, the Milton Secret um, project, mm -hmm. um, which is based on a, a book by Eckhart Tolle, who lives here in Vancouver as well. And I I messaged her uh, and said, "Hey, do you know this author?" And she sends me a picture of uh, her at that moment. She was traveling, and and one of the only books she came was my favorite book of his, and she was reading his book at the time. 
Mm. So it, the, the synchronicities, you know, didn't even stop there. But but that's a sign. But it's um, it's you have to be again careful. There's this um, you can look for signs, you know, based on your desire. So that subtleness mm-hmm. of seeing, it's um, cultivating that way of being is really what's important. I have um, come across many individuals who, you know, they describe to me, you know, um, what they think is a synchronicity. And when I, when I kind of feel into it and question it, it's more of a patternicity where mm-hmm. they're, they're wanting something and that can be okay for the, the time, but it's not um, in, in just trying to get meaning out of things. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, um, we have to be very, very careful that we're not trying to create something like you truly want it. How you really, really know is when, you know, the, the chances of it um, are really well outside the realms of randomness, like well, well, mm. well outside the realms of randomness. And, and randomness is like a classical law in Newtonian mechanics. Like if you flip a coin a hundred times, it's going to be like, you know, 49, mm-hmm. 51, like, like there's like a, there's like a realm of, of a percentage of error, but it's very, um, you know, it's very predictable. Whereas in quantum mechanics, you know, randomness will take on a whole different, you know, set of um, principles, but um, so it has to be well outside of that. So that's one one way. But also, you would want to ask yourself, "Am I wanting this?" Right. Mm-hmm. So that subtle way of being is a really important, um, you know, thing to cultivate. Thank you for that. So let's come back to camp. <clears throat> so yeah. 2016, you this you decided you chose. Yes, yeah. I'm gonna do this next year. Uh, most people would say, "Let me start off." small and you know <laughs> instead of a you know whatever the dimension is let's do an mvp minimum viable product to test yeah. you know what what's like but no not not christopher you just went yeah. boom full scale right away was there any i mean doubt or hesitation rather uh or any kind of like tell us a journey going from i'm gonna do this to boom, manifestation, reality. I don't know the dimensions of the pyramid, but full scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it was, um, no, it was full of difficulties. And the, um, but there was never any like, oh, make it smaller. I did run into um, a different um, camp founder lead that was doing a camp for a long time. I ran into this, this gentleman um, in, uh, yeah, the, the beginning of 2017. And I told him about the camp. And he's like, you have to sit me down <laughs> like uh, like mm-hmm. a father, son. And he's been mm-hmm. doing it again for a long time. And, and his advice, I think, is normally like I, I don't I don't disagree with his advice, but he says, like, you need to really listen to my advice. Uh-huh. You cannot <laughs> go uh-huh. from here to here. Uh-huh. Uh, it takes a lot of time. And uh, like yep. say, I, I don't disagree with um, that advice being being good advice. But um, again, how, how big is camp today, by the way? 250? Uh, just under 300. It was 286. 286. Yeah, got it. Uh huh. All right. Yeah. And so, um, but again, the message was like, it was a certain scale, just this, um, just what we needed to do. And, um, uh, it, it, you know, couldn't have been a small camp. But there was, um, there were so many things that just 
like magically worked that probably shouldn't have. And, you know, I, um, like what, like what? Well, so Anne and I, we're driving to arrive on Playa to build and it's like Monday and we get a call that, um, so we had designed the, you know, the, all the parts got manufactured. We weren't even sure if it was going to go together. Um, but the parts and we, and they weren't even all done. Like the panels we were still building, um, at the first year on site. So we had the parts for the panels. And, um, so we're driving in and we get a call that, uh, the, um, shipment got pulled into secondary inspection in LA where it arrived. And uh, that generally takes about two weeks. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so there were all these challenges that, um, and, and, uh, in that, fortunately we, we have this, um, the, the, um, girl that is kind of the core operator of the camp crystal. She somehow figured out how to get that out of there really fast she's pretty magic with with things but but it's very um but the, we ended up getting the shipment on on wednesday and wow um, but you know like that should you know like we at that point i didn't even know if like we were going to have any pyramid you know our camp would have mm -hmm. just been completely empty <laughs> we would have been there with nothing mm -hmm. so um but there was just a series of, of events like and that. Uh, by the way quick 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 double clicking um how many people that first year it was over a hundred uh but i i don't recall the the actual number like maybe 140 yeah. perhaps 140. <laughs> yeah but right, it was only like 10 we had we had we didn't have that many early passes but we only like kind of settled on around 10 people that were builders you know so oh my we, gosh yeah uh -huh. yeah so it was um it was the hardest I've ever worked in my life to, to build that. But it was, uh, but there's all of the, there's all of these um, lessons along the way when you're, you know, pushing those edges. Uh, number one, I just, uh, I can only imagine when you get that call on Monday telling you that the shipment has been set aside, contained, and my reaction would have just, you know, kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love that you just, you know, grab your balls and you kept going. Anyway, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. part of that subtleness, right? Of you just have to accept, you know, like, and if, 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 you know, and you, you, you can't, you know, be too um, negative about it. And you can't be positive. It's just like, again, there's that subtleness of how you see it. And, um, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. So double click on this. <clears throat> I need to stop saying double clicking, but <laughs> I will <laughs> because it serves a purpose. So I was speaking to a couple of so far, one, two, three, this, you are the fourth or fifth camp organizers I've spoken to. And they've you know, described to me the arduous task of pulling volunteering uh, people together in a, in a very short time frame and in a way that that's about transformation, right? So what they've told, told me uh, is that when push comes to shove, human beings, leaders tend to resort to force and they don't 
typically behave nicely, right? They just wanted to get the outcome. So they will say just, you know, they, they will squeeze the builders to make sure that they deliver on time, right? Even though the intention is to create a container of transformation about love and positive vibes and everything. So how do you ensure when, when it matters, right? That Monday, that Tuesday, that Wednesday, when it, you know, it's the tension is high, you still maintain that good energy, that positive vibe such that the artifacts that you built has that resonance. Yeah. Well, you don't, you know, you know, force is associated with, you know, like, like lead and you, you don't, um, you, yeah. So how, um, you know, maybe I can articulate this with a story. So, so in the camp and, and even the first year, there's different people that, and you have to give some space for emergence, but in, you know, you, we find people that through a process that kind of show up and take on different roles. So as an example, our, our build lead, um, he didn't, wasn't leading the pyramid, but he's leading the rest of the camp. Ian, he, um, he came up through, I, I talked to my first friend who I went to Burning Man with originally, I told him about wanted, I'm going to do this camp. And he said, you know what, this guy, this couple just visited us. They're going across Canada and his dream is to build a large Burning Man camp. <laughs> so wow. again, synchronicities along the way. Um, and then we had another build lead um, who ran the, the pyramid lead and um so I'll just share with you a story about kind of setting the container. So he was responsible for building the pyramid. So it's really clear you get into, you know, you know, that right agree understanding that and that person, you know, they they're not told that they want that, right? So that's the art form of, you know, taking that um for, for people to really energetically own something. Mm. So the pyramid build was. Um, you know, we, it was way, it was insane. We had not enough people um, and we had our, um, some of our team, the last of our team came Thursday. We had started to build on, you know, uh, like Tuesday it arrived, Tuesday late at night, I guess, or even Wednesday. And so we had started to build in this group that they, they had this group, we had our last um, couple of workers and they had worked on a lot of sets for music festivals and they built a lot of things and they were just following how fast this got made. And they did some calculations. They said, we need 30 guys and uh, three weeks <laughs> to build mm -hmm. it was their math. And so they were recommending we cap it at a couple levels. So no pyramid and, uh, and just, you know, that was going to be our year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the build lead uh, for the pyramid, uh, Eric, he, he comes to me and says, okay, you know, uh, he's looking for my decision, actually. Mm -hmm. And said, like, what should we do, you know? And, uh, should, you know, and he's, he was very, um, uh, but see, as a, as a steward, you know, I can't make these decisions are not mine to make at all. In fact, mm -hmm. make a decision. I rob people of their agency or their sovereignty, you know, in doing that. And um, it affects their, their ability to really, you know, own something and hold something. 
So I just, um, but, but I can, I can help. And so I just said, well, you know, it was like Wednesday, I think it was Thursday. I said, well, we don't have to make that decision today. So we, we, uh, we went on and then there was one builder and, you know, I, you, you wait to see like where the leadership is going to emerge. Cause you need someone to hold that energy. And it has to be like, again, we're talking about pure energy, right? Force <laughs> is not pure energy. Um, like it's, it's lower energy um and it has to come from the inside the people doing the work has to be part of the the whole group mm -hmm. so i have one guy sky was his name a dear friend he i remember like he came we, he's like we gotta complete this thing like we have to finish it so we found the person that and so he without being the one in charge or um you know, driving it he was like uh, the emergent sort of energy that catalyzed the group to really drive to get it completed which we shouldn't have been able to complete it it was like really it was an insane amount of work and we 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 still we didn't even actually have all the parts for all the panels we couldn't actually do the paneling um we didn't even get all those parts in but we did finish the structure and we did put panels on the lower part um, but it was that process of, of, um, you know, of letting, you know, letting the whole team really get a coherence around and a commitment that is somewhat organic and held from within. And so that's, that's how we also run in our organizations. It's a, you know, it's, um, and this is kind of the, the how self-management works. You need people to really, you need, it functions from intrinsic motivation rather than extrinsic. So, um, you know, extrinsic uses like incentives and all kinds of ways to, you know, get your behavior, your expectations is a, is a forceful thing, what I expect. And, um, you know, that's, um, that's an, a way of function that really needs to die. And we need a new, we need better ways of working together and cooperating that comes from a place of, you know, wholeness and interdependency and interconnection. I know that I keep wanting to have you finish the story of the camp's evolution, but I, I can't help it. There's, you know, some, something that I want to double click on again. <laughs> uh, so I used to be the chief culture uh, officer of a company of 250 people. Mm. And our intention was similar to you that we wanted to create a container, a, a place, an environment where people can self-actualize. Yeah. And, and so I would focus on the intrinsic motivators, right? Their purpose and how this is a platform to help them uh, make progress, uh, you know, uh, be better, right? Emerging a way of being towards their purpose. Mm -hmm. And the company would um, offer that environment. However, one big lesson that I learned from going through that experience was that, and this is actually counter to what you just said, is is that the the comp structure didn't support the intrinsic motivators so they will pull because they want to make better for their family make better paycheck make a better promotion so they would pull into the traditional way of you know let me just do a job versus um right doing thing that's for my purpose right so that's one big lesson that i learned so yeah. i love to uh not debate, but I want to understand the nuances of what you're saying here is 
how do you align, if not the incentive incentive structure, the comp structures, then how do you organize a company such that it, it, it people are pull to bring their whole self, uh, focus on the intrinsic motivator, and then and then and own their leadership and step up to 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 lead. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to articulate, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what you're describing is like um, there's a expressed way, a desire to function a certain way, but there's an inconsistency in how you know an incongruence in how the incentives work and and for this to work, it's um, you would want consistent in the same way when someone says something, their words should also um, be aligned and coherent with one's actions, right? When someone, and we we have too much discoherence in society, like it's unfortunate that uh, for so many, you know, it's unfortunate that words don't matter as much. And um, in, in alchemy too, like alchemists were very secretive in, in some ways, but they were very careful with what they said, you know, their, their words mattered and, and, um, uh, and it's a, a, a law to have congruence with your actions. Now, um, in your example of, you know, the external sentence that, yeah, this would disrupt because you've got inconsistencies. And so in our business, we have employee ownership and we don't have, uh, you know, like bonuses and incentives that drive performance. So these are used to basically get certain behaviors, which takes, which are, that's external, right? You know, somebody has a way that they want you to behave and they want to incent those conditions. And so that is counter to intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation, though, is a journey. That's part of that alchemical journey, that journey of discovering, like, what is it, you know, that I want to express in the world? What are my gifts? And um, that is a, a process. And so it's not a, um, there's no formula there, but it's more, and so like our, our, our approach is we have scaffolding that gives people, you know, actionable next steps to meet them where they're at, because everybody's at a different, you know, uh, state in their journey and a different, you know, state in their evolution, obviously, uh, you know, like, uh, I have a toddler now, you know, a toddler is different than an adolescent, right? I'm not going to impose the same an adolescent should be different than, you know, an, an adult. And, um, and so we, we support that, that journey. And, and there's, um, if I were to maybe just give one, uh, example, that's something I've observed. One of the things I've, for, I love world watching patterns and I, I started hiring people 31 years ago. I had my first two employees 31 years ago. I, I was uh, 18 and they asked me, I remember like, okay, you know, what are we supposed to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm just a kid. You guys figure it out. <laughs> and, um, and I've hired, I, I, I don't know the, the number, but, you know, over a thousand people in my time. And I've been able to see these patterns, you know, long and short um, play out. But the um, one common pattern is that people that, that are, and, and there's a lot of people that sit in what Robert Keegan calls a socialized mind. Mm hmm where we are conditioned by our outer world. And, and so much of our conditioning is, you know, 
led by an authority, your teacher, your boss, they tell you what to do and you, you, you mostly do it. Right. Meanwhile, as kids, you know, we're kind of free <laughs> generally. And, um, one thing I've noticed that people, they desire to be autonomous, but when given the opportunity, they will resist it. So again, there's a cultural transformation necessary that, you know, hasn't crossed that chasm to actually claim, you know, to take their sovereignty, to actually do that. And, and so in our um, practices, we, we have practices that help kind of people along that journey to allow them to take the smaller steps before they take the bigger steps, you know, or if they want to take the big step, they can do it. Um, but, you know, in the same way that, um, you, you know, uh, well, yeah, the example that came to my mind, maybe it's not the best example, but, you know, dogs that are kind of beaten, you know, they could be in a cage, they don't leave the cage, even if the door is open, right? And, and we've seen other psychological experiments, you know, like this. And, uh, but yeah, there's a cultural transformation that, um, because what happens as our principal agency and ownership, there's a duplicity there. The agency's ability to make a choice, ownership is to own it. Because by taking, by making that choice, you also have to take the responsibility of it. And that's something that is sort of, you know, we, we sort of separate that in our society. You know, it's like, you know, you do the work, you take the responsibility and it's, that's, gets way, uh, gets out of the, kind of like uh, the wholeness of, of things. And so um, and so you can't just um, you know create a system and everybody's going to behave. No, it's it's an evolutionary system where you know people will you know evolve and they have to go through these cultural transformations along the way. We could do a whole podcast on this question. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I want to come back to that. I want to come back to the system on it. <laughs> I, I want, I definitely want to come back to that. Please yeah. uh, remind me because I know that you were writing a book about it, Quantrepreneur, right? So we'll definitely come back to that. But I want you to finish your telling the story of the camp. So the first year was 140 people, 10 builders. And if you don't mind, just quickly, the, the second year, third year, fourth year, the, the number of people, and then we can go into what lessons you got after five years of doing this. Yeah, yeah. So it's we we um we did it three years. And um and by the way, when I first got the message, like the first message was do it three years. <laughs> and uh, so we we went um and then this was our fourth year that we we just had um it oh, grew a bit wow. each year, like the second year, um, you know, a bit better <laughs> building it. A bit further and it wasn't until 2019 that we actually um we actually felt that we completed the original vision so mm. i go back to that original sheet so maybe that's why the three years are there it's like it's going to take you three years just to get the essence of it but it was still pretty chaotic i mean but the but each year you know the the, the core grew like we did our own alchemy of like how do we attract like the right people and you know, and some people go and some people come. And so we try to, you know, essentially like, like the alchemical process purifying. And the third year was, um, was great. Again, there's a lot of synchronicities along the way. Um, we added uh, the external, part of the original design had um, digital art on the outside. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine in Bali um, and I was, uh, this is uh, in 2018. It's like, hey, um, yeah, you know, I really want to do projection 
on the, and I don't even know why I even brought it up. I was, uh, so I want to do projection on the outside. And uh, he said, oh, you should meet my friend who was standing right beside him, Ryan Uzleski, who does our, our um, who kind of does all the projection art and he runs that team and he helps bring the art. Uh, and like, again, that synchronicity, like, there's, there's other people that have the capabilities of doing this, but Ryan, like he loves this. He wants to create this gift. He wants to pull the artist. Like he was like, like, like that's, that was him. That was him. He was the one who wanted to do this. So, you know, again, allowing these synchronicities to happen, it takes time to go through that process. And so, um, so I think we kind of got the core, the core um, team together by 2019, which, um, you know, um, there's some core people that really make Playa Alchemist, you know, come together. And it was like a, you know, its own little alchemical journey. And then, so this is our, our fourth year, uh, you know, coming out of COVID and, and yeah, there was like a, a sense of wholeness. Like we were not, you know, running all the time. We got the pyramid done earlier and um, we're, we're um, yeah. And, and actually Satya, who mm -hmm. our daytime programming, you know, he said, this is the first year I'm leaving Burning Man and I'm not exhausted. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and and I felt the same, you know, I, I was, um, um, so I think we've entered a new, new phase. And, um, you know, one way I, I could look at that in, in alchemy, you see a lot of pictures in alchemy that are split between this like horizontal and vertical plane, which there's a whole mm -hmm. science on that. But in the, the above plane is the realm of infinite energy. I think the first part we were in the finite energy where we were depleting it, but, you know, we're, I think we're tapping into that, that that next level um but yeah each year we got better and um and i think this last year really really felt whole like it was it was it was um um yeah everybody really showed up this year um and uh um it was uh it was yeah, it was a great year and i and i want to continue that like, we're, like this process we can't do the same thing we always need to evolve right so ply alchemists will always need to you know, just like alchemy, you're striving for perfection. You'll, of course, never get to perfection, um, but you will go on that journey. I, I, you know what? As you're recounting the timeline, uh, I started going to Burning Man in 2017. Oh, I good. Was, I was there for 18. So uh, Play Alchemist has made an impression on me. You're right that 2017... I was questioning, like, are they going to be able to build the pyramids? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, by Wednesday, if I recall correctly, that the pyramid wasn't done, if I remember correctly. Or Wednesday or Thursday. And I we, was like, we, we, finished it, we finished it Wednesday and we opened Wednesday and we had um, B. Swenson and Unders and Seth Swartz play a set. Yeah. I remember they launched and it was really, really like, the party was great. And then I went to bed or we went to bed. We all went to bed because we were exhausted. You were exhausted. So quick question. As a camp lead, what I have observed is typically the responsibility weighs so heavily on camp leads that they don't get to enjoy the fruit of their labor. They don't get to enjoy the overall burning man so much because they want to make sure that whatever they execute uh, gets done. 
at what year were you able to really enjoy Burning Man and relax? Well, yeah, when you run a camp, so Burning Man isn't isn't going to be um, so much for um, it's a different burn, right? So you're holding like this year was the um, the most relaxed. I've, uh-huh. I've been in the sense that I, I, I was, um, you know, as lead, I, when there's some, something that goes wrong, you know, I have to support and hold space. Plus I'm, I'm all, there's always work to get done. So even when I had, um, you know, time I'm, I'm helping somewhere. So I would, um, you know, play that role. And it's, it was the same for our team. You know, when I look at, um, the, the other members, they're all pinned <laughs> to, to that. And, um, but yeah, so each year it's gotten better, but I still like, I don't, I don't, um, I get little small windows for myself, but it's really more to, to hold that. But there's like a, a different joy that comes from, from that. Like I, I remember going out, I sleep mostly at night, but, um, of course the camp was loud. I remember going out at, uh, I heard, um, uh, we had a, a piano in our lounge area and I heard, uh, the Jan Tiersen was a composer. I heard some music from him that um, now he wasn't playing, but um, a penis was playing. I was like, and I love Jan Tiersen. So I'm like, well, that sounds great. And, and so I went out and just walked around and I just like, it was so, I got so much satisfaction from seeing just like the, the, the energy that was in the lounge. And then I went to the pyramid again, beautiful energy people and this is like the middle of the night like three in the morning normally things can get a little dark but it was high vibration everybody's like having a lot of fun then it went outside and it was the same thing so like for me that was like I felt very um um I felt very good that you know we this container we we had you know, uh, attempted to create was, you know, at least at that moment was really coherent where we had these different zones, but everybody was having fun. And that, and then I was able to just go, you know, went back to sleep and felt good about it. So I want you to say more about that a bit more, because ultimately in my mind, you put in so much energy, so much of your life, so much money, right. Uh, as a way to curate this Beautiful environment, beautiful container. Um, I don't know how many people have gone through uh, the Playa Alchemist camp, probably in the realm of tens of thousands. I'm assuming, I don't know if you count, but tens of thousands of people. Can you say more about how you, because your intention is to create a container of transformation. Yeah. And then can you say more about what transformations have you witnessed whether it's people staying with camp or visitors from outside who, who you have witnessed or you have heard anything like that that you can highlight uh yeah i think you know i there's a lot of personal sort of stories and i would um you know my early years i would i would um even help facilitate you know like I'd be a sherpa for people is one of the ways i described it and um you know and what with the camp, um, you know, the uh, part of it starts with just the, the like what we cultivate as a camp and, and even the energy that the builders and everybody put into creating the space, you know, we, we really, um, you know, 
you know, our, our motto is transform yourself, transform the world. So it starts with us, you know, what are we holding as a group and what, you know, what intentionality, if you want to use that term, you know, that are we putting into the work that, that we're doing and like a magnet that can help attract, you know, or repel certain energies. And, and, you know, the idea is that, um, you know, at a, at a sort of a macro level that we create a container that is, is more um, purposeful about, you know, creating connection, um, creating, um, you know, transformation. And, and, you know, one of the, um, one of the, you know, and this happens in all kinds of ways. So a party often, you know, we do all kinds of talks and different experiences, live music, and a lot, we, we have room for emergent kind of things to happen. But a lot of people on the surface will think, oh, you know, can a, is a party transformative, you know? Um, of course, ones that have been to transformative parties, you know, we know, we know they are. Like when you have soulful music and, um, and everybody feels connected and you start moving together this coherence right there's like a power that you know and you can see it in the smiles of people you can see it in the energy and um and that invites us into like a higher plane of being you know collectively where um you know insights and and just like connects us like when you know there's this energy that this like battery that we can charge up like we, we leave burning man and we're still like high on this energy from events like this so transformation happens in in you know all all kinds of ways and um and there's um um you know there's so many different stories of even like many stories of people meeting their partner at Ply Alchemist that I've heard, mm. and, like their soulmates. And okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe uh, a future programming for dating service, <laughs> soulmate. It, what do you it, think? It, what do you think it, about that? It could be. It could be. Uh, I, Isaiah, who stays at our camp, he's a he's a DJ. He met his partner uh, there. That's the most recent one I I heard about, and. Uh, uh, yeah yeah it, it's um it's yeah you know it's not something that again we aim to the outcomes right we're just trying to create these conditions and this sort of comes with what you show up what you know what um you know the, the space that we're trying to hold there i mean so i'm going to push back a little bit um uh, Let's say you have a particular intention of transformation. If I were you, I would pay attention to the transformational stories and transformational moments, and then capture it somehow with videos or testimonials. If I if I were you, but obviously I'm not you. So, so hence hence the question of like, oh, what kind of transformational stories have you heard or recorded or you know being passed around from year to year that you have heard people say like, oh my god. Playa Alchemist was the jam. So, anyways, yeah, I guess um, I, I think I think that's a good thing to maybe explore. I I wouldn't be against it, but um, yeah, I, I I don't seek it seek it out, right? It's um the yeah, I think there's a there there are a group of campers that are actually 
trying to capture some more about the camp. I know, and and I, you know, I didn't plan this, but there's a group that wants to do a bit of a documentary on maybe I think that includes some of this uh this work. But yeah, I um yeah, my my I guess that's um, you know, we try to look for outcomes. I'm I'm somewhat disconnected to you know, you, those are, those happen, but it's not something you try to really chase. And I'm, I, uh, I'm very much that way where I don't get too attached on, um, you know, trying to measure the outcomes. You, you can measure the process of things. You can measure kind of foundations, but, um, but yeah, that, that's not something that I, um, actively pursue. I got you. Yeah. So, so, I was speaking to the architect of the 2022 uh, temple architect, right? And and then he shared some things with me, which, you know, in, in our pre-podcast interview, he said it takes about $600,000 to, you know, manifest the design of the, the temple, and which, which wasn't surprising because, but, but it's just something that I don't really think about. You yeah. know, what kind of resources does it take to build something as large and beautiful? So, uh, so I wanted to ask you this question because uh, I'm sure you have heard some of the criticisms, you know, outside of uh, Playa Alchemist who don't really understand like, oh, why is there uh, such a high uh, camp dues? Or, you know, I heard this is a camp of oil oligarch. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. These I type of like too. these type uh, of criticisms and rumors. So, if you can address them here, what would you say to them as a as a point of clarification? Like, well, you know, whatever the the camp dues or or the oil oligarchs or whatever the things, anything that you you want. Yeah, to yeah. I, I I don't feel like I need to you know respond to anything. That's that's their own alchemy that they're doing. You know. Um, when you when look, what what I think I love about Burning Man though is you, it's an incredible sandbox. I mean, or dust box we can call it. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, right? And uh, I mean, you obviously have to work within the principles, and you have to, um, but you can create what you want, and there's incredible diversity there. You know, whatever you, um, and and it's a great learning opportunity. It's a great uh, growth opportunity. Um, but yeah, yeah, like my, my, um, you know, the, the, um, the you don't create a camp. Um, it, I mean, yes, it was a big financial, like I, I have continued to lose money on the, on the venture, uh, like as far as, and I wasn't expecting, you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I, you know, from, a, from an operations perspective, you try to do it as a cost share, but it is pretty costly as people could imagine to, um, you know, to run a camp, you know, like this, if you start to do the math and all the compounding costs of just everything on Playa, like the, you know, what we pay to rent those projectors and the dust boxes we need to build and the cleaning of everything, just as one very small example. And so we run a cost share um on on you know from a perspective and you know it often doesn't actually um you know amount out to <laughs> what we had hoped because of all the surprise costs that come in uh but yeah the uh the um 
you know the stories that that people will will tell well i'm um yeah i am not russian i'm ukrainian uh, yeah. <laughs> Canada, so and uh my dad has his grade five and um came from so um came from a not an oligarch family but a lower middle class family in saskatchewan and um you know i have also um you know, grew my business organically. So I had to, I use, you know, I use my own money. The money is actually something that needs to be valued. It has like money is energy. And so I view money as energy. So in this regard, like I, I am very careful on what I spend my money on. So for me to make this investment in the camp, it was like, it was because where it came from, that's why I did it. But I, um, you know, I, I, I view money as a sacred thing, so it shouldn't be wasted and, um, and used for something, um, you know, useful. So that's, um, that's another thing I can add, you know, I, 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 um, I put it, um, you know, and I, and I think we, in, in today's society, if, you know, more people thought that way, that would be, that would be really, I think, valuable. And, and if we take a look at COVID too, there's been a, an extreme like wealth transfer even again and for what like what value did people create to get that wealth and you know we shouldn't get money for free you know and this is this is against alchemical principles actually so so um yeah i don't i didn't really answer the question but i i shared some perspectives if you if you want to maybe ask anything more specific i may answer it uh well i do know plenty of people <clears throat> who visited the camp for the first time and they're impressed about like, wow, this is amazing. I want to be a part of it. So, and I told them, well, there's an application process and I, yeah. you know, may be able to make some referrals since I know CK and, 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 and Anna, and they were just, you know, curious about like, okay, great. What is the, cause the camp due is pretty high, right. Relative to other camps. So they want to know like, okay, great. This is, this is like a car and how do I, what, 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 what kind of accommodations do they receive as a part of the being in the Kim Alchemist? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have like, we have a whole range, you know, so we, um, you know, so we have like, it's, it is a spectrum that we, we offer uh, in, you know, obviously um, we, we help subsidize certain, we love to have that diversity, you know, inside the camp and, you know, having artists and, um, you know, all, you know, philosophers and just different creators, shamans, we want to have, you know, a lot of diversity in the camp. So in that we have a range. Now we, we run and then, you know, with three stages and all the, the talks and all like the, the sound and the, there's a lot of work um so we are a, a busier camp and just like you know the amount of work that has to happen in a camp, even to the size like you think of all, all the people involved so there's a lot of effort that people do with that we do have um you know we do have very good food and we have like showers and bathrooms and um very like you know you need your nutrition and especially when you're working so much and you need um so we, actually on that note real quick so yeah. this is not a plug and play camp right this is a working camp is that correct yeah people described it as working man um before but that's part of the joy though as you know when you 
gets, um, there's a lot of um, uh, satisfaction you get from working with. Mm -hmm. I mean, first off, there's the build, but mm -hmm. then like working, you know, running all of that infrastructure um, and like maintaining all that infrastructure for those luxuries, that's all a lot of work. So mm -hmm. um, I, uh, um, yeah, and so that's, um, but that's um, a lot of people when I hear people's reflections, like they really enjoy, you know, being in the kitchen or even mm -hmm. like greeting people, you mm -hmm. know, we have like pyramid greeters. And then, you know, like people really, some of the highlights actually come. Even I've heard people have highlights from Moop Duty uh, mm -hmm. too. So there's a lot of joy that comes from that, but yep. you know, it may not seem, you know, so obvious on the surface for people, but. I actually built in my opinion is where the magic is at because yeah. sure hardship in my opinion builds that bond yeah you don't I, I think for the people that just show up and you know oh burning man is awesome and then they wow. leave without the built to me they're actually robbing themselves of a deeper lesson deeper experience and also opportunity to connect with another human that's yeah. that's my personal opinion. So so I, I just you know I'm glad that you yeah, clarified yeah. that. You, you know we have this to... we have this goal of creating this um you know this this gift for the playa when we build there and it's it's an insane amount of work. Like you wake up and you're like exhausted <laughs> and you're like you know the dust storms the heat but that's why it's so important for everybody to come together you know intrinsically like and and want to do this. Cause it's an, it's, um, you know, the pyramid doesn't go together very easily. It's, it's, um, it was designed a little too precisely. So it's very finicky and we're a little bit off. Um, so it's not like designed to go together. You know, it's really something should only have been built once and not taken apart. Cause each year we have to buy new parts and like the, uh, and so it, it, it's an insane amount of work and, uh, but you're right. It does build connection and, you know, that sense of accomplishment as a, as a group. And that's part of the experience of Burning Man is that difficulty. Our, our building, Ian, calls it voluntary hardship. Mm, I like it. Yeah. Uh, in our camp, chemistic, we call it ecstatic, ecstatic volunteerism. Yeah. <laughs> similar, similar. Yeah. Uh, how do you balance though? Because again, I'm going to bring it back to you as a lead, but I think that's a symbolism of everyone else too how do you as a lead balance that sense of camaraderie by the sheer hardship and also the the catering part because people come here not to just work they also here are to enjoy the burn the um, say vacation but away from the default world and then i think from the camp leads perspective striking that balance is an important one because if you just make them work and they're like, oh, man, I don't want to do this anymore. If you just give them the vacation, then they don't have that deeper lesson and deeper experience. How do you find that balance between the two? Or you don't even think about that. Well, it's something that they have to, you know, we do have like a framework and obviously when people lead by example, you know, there's, um, um, you know, that helps set the tone. Mm -hmm. the, but it's really something every individual go through. I, I would, I would assume that there's a lot of people that, you know, they don't like the volunteering at the beginning. They hear about it. Oh, I got to do all this volunteering. 
but uh-huh. then by doing it and going, oh, you know, um, this is actually a really good experience, right? And this uh-huh. is like, and then they feel like, like they're part of part of it. They're not, you know, because Burning Man isn't about being a consumer. It's all mm-hmm. right. Like, yep. Like this camp comes together because of all the people, you know, like I'm one of the many that, you know, are creating this, but it's like, it wouldn't be there if everybody didn't show up and do all the work for, for right. free, right? And it, well, I should say for free, you're actually paying to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so do you want to pay to volunteer? So it's like, it's it's like another another edge on top of it, right? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. Um, so, so on that note, quick question there. Oh, I'm I'm just playing a part. All right, I paid X dollars, and now you're asking me to work. Like too much work. How do you address a common complaint? One assumes be someone who's uh, used to the comfortable lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you get certain virgin burners that come and and they they maybe have some sort of expectation that's what you know i am there to hold space for that discussion if somebody gets to that situation where they maybe um are trying to understand it so but i i I don't have any answers for them i can just you know question question them but I've, i've had people that you know have go well you know I spent this money, therefore I should X and mm-hmm. have some kind of expectation that that has happened. Um, mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a process of them um, understanding it. And so I'll just question them along the way and, and it works out. It, it seemed to have worked out to, to do it that way. So. Mm, got it. And then if they don't comply, is there consequences so in other camps what they do is hey if they don't they're not a good citizen of the camp and yes there are people that don't get invited yeah uh, but that get yeah that do not come back uh often though what's interesting is when we hold to our principles Mm -hmm. they they don't even want it's like a magnet like they they just go somewhere else or so we you often don't have to have a conversation about that because it just sort of takes care of itself. Mm. They, they typically would, would know. And um, yeah. And, and getting back to like, I would question about like, what were they, you know, when people have an expectation, you know, there's always a learning there for themselves. Well, what were you expecting? Well, what did you think this was? Right. So questioning is always mm. a great way. And that's all part, you know, where they can discover. And in there, there's an alchemical little gem for their own frame. Because often that's a frame in which people see the world, right? They see the world as transactional often. It's like, I'm paying for this, I expect this. Mm. That actually takes you away from your higher frame, you know, like that frame would be a synchronicity disruptor as an example because you already Mm -hmm. have this expectation formed and um so so the questions can go you know i can i can usually get at um you know what what might be um you know a an opportunity for them to you know identify something to work on Mm. what what do you see as the dream for a play alchemist because it's been going on this is the 
fourth yeah, year, yeah. right? And it's it's now se- seemingly to find its flow. Uh, you can get things done by Tuesday instead of Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. And you know, what's the dream? What's the well we're gonna we're gonna bring kind of whoever wants to join to have a discussion, but like this is now kind of taking on a life of its own and you know, we'll see what, what I, I, I really, um, I think, uh, uh I don't have a, a particular dream at all for it. I, I was, um, I still don't even know exactly why I was supposed to create it. So I, it's like, so it, it will make itself known, you know, and maybe, maybe it just runs its course and it withers away, like, like so much of like we do, uh, or maybe it takes on a life of its own, or maybe there's something that just continues to go I don't know I don't really um I don't really uh much but each year like it's great to sort of you know it evolves and I think there's an essence that's forming and and um so I'm assuming it's going to continue on at least for a while I mean just based on my friends who visited um my alchemist for the first time as first time burners it's one of the monuments at Burning Man, that really left an impression for them. Because mm-hmm. one of my typical questions for integration after Burning Man is, what are your top, you know, lessons that you got? You know, what made the, what are your highlights and lowlights of Burning Man? And they often re- refer to Play Alchemist. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And they, they had a moment there, and then they will say something about that. It doesn't matter what walks of life they yeah. are, just... It made an impression for them. So, yeah. so, so if that's any measure of success, I would say you have successfully imprinted a transformational moment for yeah. my yeah. friends. And then from then to you, thank you, sir, for doing that. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing it. And um, around transformation, to what what came up for me while you were speaking is um, often when people think of transformation, they think of trauma. And, you know, something, you know, like that's the catalyst. If you want to transform, you need something traumatic. And um, everything sits in this like uh, duality. Um, and the other aspect of that is a peak experience. And this is what we have at Burning Man is these peak experiences. And they are coupled with with trauma. So there's um, a complementarity there. But uh, peak experiences, I think, is... Is something we need to make we need to create more in the world because these will help us you know um move to our higher selves and that's i think one of the things that birdie man that happens a lot is we have the possibility or the opportunity for more peak experiences which always shed light on yourself and helps you you know gives you more faith in life but also helps you be a better human mm. So I actually just had a question from a friend texting me. She wants me to ask you what you believe, what you believe is the philosopher's stone. I don't know if you have any <laughs> comments there, but she wants okay. to know. Well, the the philosopher's stone um, is the elixir life in in alchemy, and so it. Um, it's designed to give you immortal life, and so it's. Um, it, it had a physical representation. It was typically red and, and alchemists would carry it in this, this little pouch. And it was an agent that could transform, you know, metals into gold. But again, that was more of like a metaphor. Uh, 
uh, in it. Now, a stone, um, I can go back to your story. Uh, you talked about those three aspects of yourself that you work on. That's four. Four. Or four. Okay. So those four together, um, in, in, in alchemy, these, um, um, if you were to purify those four and you unify those together, and um, so actually um, four is um, the, the four elements um, also some symbolize the four elements that you go together. So air, earth, you know, water, fire, you purify these to their um, highest essences those come together, the fifth element is also known as the philosopher's stone. And it's the unification of those pure substances that come together. And this is what will give you infinite life, you know, according to, to alchemy. And so that inner work um, will lead you to that path. And the um, there is like what's called a lesser stone along the way um, that's in the material realm, and so like it's not a you know um, it's a it's a it's a whole evolutionary journey, and so there is like a a time when you will master the material realm, and um, and this is where goals and objectives can sometimes you know be part of that path, um, but the um, like the if if you look at the the, um, well, I talked about the magician tarot card, which is also the, the alchemist. The, the journey is, is that you, you go in life and you master the material realm, the lower realm, and then you come in and you master the above realm of spirit, then you come back into the center. And the magician in the tarot card is, has one foot in the above realm, one foot in the below realm. He's standing kind of like this, one hand up. And this shows that he's master. Uh, he has mastered both the above and the below realms, and he's able to bring those two realms together. Another way, uh, if you want to get a quantum perspective on this, E equals MC squared, matter and energy, you're actually the same thing. They're interchangeable, right? You can create, out of pure energy, you can create matter and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a very deep principle, even from a quantum perspective, which is just, like I say, fascinating to, to, to know that. Uh, so the philosopher's stone is tapping to that infinite self, you know, finding that part of you that's not finite, it's infinite, that, that energy being. So I would say that, you know, I um, perhaps, you know, the ones that, you know, we read about, like the Buddhas of the world that have, um, have got the state of enlightenment, they're probably found that philosopher's stone. Mm. So you're a serious experimenter. Yeah. Or seeker or scholar, uh, practitioner, what methods have you come across that will uh, get people out of that stuckness, right? That accelerate the process of uh, alchemy that you've come across? Uh, you know, um, if I were to maybe share one thing, I think understanding the operations. So there's. Um, there's seven operations. Again, they're in our talisman. Um, mm. I'll go through them briefly, but understanding the basic operations, and there's lots of different books that are, are available. Actually, one of them I could probably recommend. It's a bit of, um, uh, it's it's an easier read. Well, actually, um, so I was going to say Dennis William Hawk, he has this book called The Emerald Tablet. It goes a bit into the history of alchemy. It goes into the operations and its purpose. But another book that- Wait, Emerald what? 
the emerald tablet tablet yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's a good um it's almost uh, it's not alchemist for dummies or alchemy for dummies but it, it's very digestible like reading Jung is very dense and um it, it's mm. not what i it, it there's a lot of depth there but it's not um it's not very digestible uh, um but the the other thing is the book from paulo coelho mm. is uh, the alchemist which a lot of people have read it's a book you can reread it's a very short book but the formula mm -hmm. of the alchemical transformation is actually in story it's in allegory it's in metaphor it's in it's in that storyline the whole journey even back to self right you know at you know at the beginning if you recall the book you know go to the pyramid and you'll find your treasure right and then mm. of course that's not the treasure he goes back home and discovers that it's inside of him but he needs to go on the journey mm -hmm. in order to discover it and so it's actually what's it, it's 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 a great story because it reminds you remember i was talking about that subtleness it reminds you how to sort of be in the world and and it does it in a, in a beautiful story form. Um, but yeah, the, the seven operations, I think, is a really useful tool. I'll often reflect and go, oh, where, where am I? You know, Because if you're you know, dissolving something away, you can be intentional around that. And just like doing that work, you know, the solitude that you need, the reflection that you need, there's tools in each of the operations, you know, like what, what, what happened? And, 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 um, you know, and instead of just jumping to the next thing, and then being in, you know, knowing when you are, you know, bringing a new self together, you know, you're reassembling yourself, knowing that um, that that too is a process and that, you know, and then being very uh, aware of allowing that emergence to happen, not having any expectations. So, so knowledge of each of the operations and, and how to show up is, is very, very helpful. And that's what alchemists, again, thought. They thought by, by studying nature and understanding these patterns, you know, they could accelerate that, um, their own evolution. Is it, um, so, so that's understanding of the framework, which I got, I got the, you know, by alchemist.com forward slash alchemy right there in front yeah. of me. Right. Yeah. So, so, but that's, that's content, but what about the practices? Is it contemplative? Is it specific kind of meditation? Is it ayahuasca journeys? Cause the different tools will allow you different experiences. And then it's about choosing the tool. Yeah. So I'm curious to know if you say like, oh, this particular modality is this particular meditation, this yeah. particular. Well, there's you know, there, there are all of these different tools are, are applicable, um, you know, at different uh, and, and certain ones for certain times are more applicable. So, so um, that's a yes to, to all of them. I think, um, it's also a very personal thing for each, you know, I think you can allow to see what kind of calls you too, from what, you know, what meditation practice you might have and, um, or, you know, ayahuasca, I, I haven't done ayahuasca, um, but from, I do think, and from people that I've talked to, it's something that calls you, you know, it's like, Hey, it's like, there's maybe a time. And, and so following those, you know, that intuition, I think is really, really important i um you know like there's all the basics that i i'm sure you know everybody knows but the you know you we have to like the self-care part is really important 
importance and you know knowing um like just that in in uh, let's mention that triad of like salt sulfur mercury salt is the body so purifying the body like that's you know a, a good place to start if you're out of balance if you you know is is all of the the foundations of, of that which include your you know mental hygiene where meditation comes in and your physical practices for me if i just share something that is important for me and it may not be for everybody it's um um you know i competed in martial arts and i would find that when i was fighting i was going to this really special place and um you know again it's in in you you don't have time to think so it's it's like an ultimate kind of flow hammer just like get into flow now or get your you know or get your head kicked in right so consequences are high like if you look at me high chick set me high's kind of design of flow like you know it kind of checks a lot of the boxes but i would need something that forces me in there so like like rock climbers probably get into flow because like they got no choice right it's like consequences you're free climbing so fighting was the same thing and then i i retired and i all of a sudden felt i lost something i lost some kind of energy inside of me and and i just wasn't like my higher self i was losing some some energetic capabilities and um then i went uh, a friend took me mountain biking and he took me up what would be the equivalent of like a black diamond you know i climbed up maybe he thought it was like i don't, I, I don't i think he was actually having some fun with me uh so i i go down this technical thing and i'm flying somehow i didn't fall but i i just barely survived it but i had that feeling back i that feeling mm. that i it, it it like wow i'm back there and it felt good. I mean, it took me there. And so this is an example. And Jung actually has this in his red book. He says, sometimes we need like an outer adventure that triggers an inner adventures. Um, and uh, sometimes you need an event that catalyzes you, tosses you into that space. Like, like golf would never do that. I need something that has consequences. So mountain biking is great because like, again, overconfident, underconfident, it will all teach you and you can get seriously hurt. So, so it would take me to this place, which is an embodiment, right? This is a teacher of how you need to be in the world and you need to practice it. Um, so your, your body practices just at the root, and then there's practices for the spirit and practices for the soul. Um, that would be different. Um, but again, it's, they're all interrelated. And, um, so I want to, I want to say a little bit more, uh, I'm a, I'm a male body person. I'm a guy. And to me is really important for men to take that level of risk that you talked about. Yeah. And then, and when we do that, we're at the edge of risk, not jumping over the cliff, but at the edge and we'll feel truly alive. Yeah. So do you think that's a requirement as necessary? to uh to really get to the the essence of being a man since we're both men so i don't know what's it like to be a woman so yeah, i can speak yeah do yeah you, i can feel that that's an important component i i do i do um you know again just only looking at my own personal like masculinity i think um you know i i 
I do know like in talking to women, like for example, dance can be a really, and that's a very embodiment type of experience too. Dance, I, um, I have in, in talking to, to women that have also taken them to places that sound the same. Of course, men and women do the same kind of sports, but there is like, um, um, men are more assertive, right? Like we, we historically were, were, um, you know, the hunters and, um, the fighters and, um, there's something, something there that taps into something, but, um, um, but maybe we will transcend that at some point. I'm not sure, but yeah, for me, I, I feel, I do feel more whole when I do these things, like, and definitely like, yeah, the archetype of being a man, um, you know, like when you're doing these physical things seems to elevate. You don't practice martial arts anymore, yeah? No, I retired. Um, it was, um, I, I will mess around a little bit, but I retired. I, I did it for a super long time and uh, it was really wonderful, but it was like, I was in the, um, I, I, <laughs> My last fight, I was fighting this guy a lot bigger than me. And uh, I remember I just, I would, you know, the previous competition, I, I was I was able to push me myself forward to the edge, but I'm like, I wasn't, um, you know, I just didn't have that same source to like go and win. Cause I was fighting, you know, this, uh, you know, generally younger, younger guys that really, you know, have you know they want to they want to win and um yeah and I felt like okay I thought it was time to to move on and um I, I loved it though it was an incredible teacher for me and um but not something that's sustainable I don't you know getting hit isn't that healthy and especially nope. as you're older that's for the brain yeah exactly and I I I really worked you know like I was very motivated not to get kicked or punched in the head so that was highly motivating for me but mm -hmm. it was um yeah it was the right time for me to go what about like other replacements like say, say jiu-jitsu or maybe even i don't know shadow boxing or some kind of other things yeah. you know yeah or... like i um i found it in mountain biking you know like mm -hmm. i still i will still um you know mess around a bit and uh i've even sparred a bit you know like with people that are more advanced that know how to control themselves. Yeah. But, um, uh, the, um, yeah, I found it in mountain biking was, was mine. I, I think there's a lot of, and the reason that works for me, because living in Vancouver, I can just take my bike and go. So it's very accessible and it's right here and it's here um, every day of the year. I will go out in the rain. It, it doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm asking specifically about martial art practices is, is, is this because you were at a really advanced level you were the captain of the national team right so it's yeah. a thing that speaks something about your skill level yeah. and um I I wasn't at that level but I practiced martial arts but I don't maintain my flexibility ah, yeah. and, and then so I, and it's one of those things you know I you don't use it you lose it so hence why the question, like, do you even just practicing a little bit, even if you don't spar, yeah, you just keep the skills that you have or like, now nah, I'm retired from this. I have now graduated. Mountain biking is the thing right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I stay active in in a lot of ways, and um, I, um, but we, you know, especially you know, over fifty, it's like a deterioration. So it's just a constant. So we just try to maintain. But we, you know, as we age as men, we we lose it. So there's no way we can we can keep it. Um, I also uh, had a series of injuries. My my favorite kick. What what martial art did you do? I did a number of different things. So um, specifically, hapkido. Okay. Yeah. And then I dabble in like jujitsu, boxing, all kinds yeah, of yeah. little things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hapkido would have had the axe kick as part of the repertoire, if you remember that. Um, that's a what, what kick? axe kick you bring your leg up and you drop it down uh-huh. yep yep mm-hmm. very ballistic movement but i i love that kick because i could um i could essentially it's a, it's a very powerful kick and if you can like it'll cause people to keep distance from you if you you know so i would loft and i would frame my fights with that you know like i because i could pull it up quickly drop it down really fast and people are like whoa <laughs> um but with that kick, I was really fast when I was younger, but then I, I eventually, it's a ballistic movement and I would really like whip it and uh, ended up getting micro tears and ended up tearing my, both my hamstrings. Uh. And so those tears then, um, they, they didn't repair and I, I still have flex, flex, decent flexibility, but it shortens and, um, and the strength you know, weakened. And um, so injuries too were, were, were piling up and I was losing some of my really powerful tools and, and that would have just continued down. And, um, you know, that, that's, and, and I, my muscle memory still want to do what my, you know, even uh-huh. self wanted to do. And meanwhile, uh-huh. I'm like 38 at that uh-huh. time. It didn't, um, it, it yeah. wasn't now, now you still see a lot of older, like mixed martial arts, but you don't see them doing these advanced techniques. Yeah. Physically, you know, they're, um, they're more risky and they require more athleticism that are associated with, you know, younger, younger um, ages, like even George St. Pierre, you know, he did more technical techniques when he was younger and he went down, you know, kept it at the basics as he got older. And it's also conserving energy. There's more reasons than that. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, so I was okay to, to, to go because it's just a constant, you know, recalibration and, and, I like the fighting and I, 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 um, but again, um, I didn't like getting punched or kicked in the head at the same time. Yep. Everyone has a plan. Yeah. You get punched in the face. Okay. Yeah. That is a great Mike Tyson quote, but you know, there's some, one thing that's great about fighting, there's no bullshit. Like in life, if you make a mistake and you get, you, you get punched in the face, you've got real time feedback. One thing I've observed about life, often people will make mistakes and they don't get, they don't pay the consequences. Like, this is what I loved about fighting. Like, you know, it's real and the feedback is now. And often in life, like people could do something where they should get punched in the face, but they don't. And maybe it happens years later. Um, It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, but I love the real time feedback of that and um i try to actually get feedback as much as i can like that you know in the moments i want to talk to you about your book quantrepreneur mm-hmm. um you had talked about different stages of ego development and circling back to what you talked about hiring over a thousand people um what my big lesson 
from being the chief culture officer of a company of 250 people is this. In the very beginning, we wanted to be um, a uniform, a small team of Navy SEALs effectively. So we treated everyone the same. But then I mature as we grew the size of the company from 50 to 100, 150, 200, 250. Then I realized, okay, that single approach doesn't, it breaks down after very quickly. Then it's about, and the, and the, the new metaphor that I thought of is now we're creating an ecosystem of humans. How do we have the entire ecosystem thrive? At yeah. people, are, people are at different stages effectively. So if you don't mind speaking to about the different stages of ego development, that would be really great for other entrepreneurs, camp organizers, you know, people who are curating the ecosystem of people. Uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, we describe our, our, uh, like Chrysalis as an ecosystem of companies, but then each, um, um, you know, each company will have people at all different kinds of levels and as well teams, like there's levels of maturity of teams that as it takes a while for teams to become coherent, right? You talk about the Navy SEALs team, like that's probably an advanced team that has incredible trust, but they also know each other well and they're able to move like one unit rather than, you know, fragmented. So there's real value in keeping teams. And so within any company, you'll have different teams that are different levels of maturity, you can say, and of and then with that maturity comes capability. And you can have also, you know, teams that are been around for a long time that are also maybe at a lower function because they haven't done the work of building that trust and that coherence and, you know, and, and even the natural process of that complementary skill sets that that you need. Um, ego development, um, there's not really like I don't really view it as um, a stage uh, aspect. Like there's um, there's different human development frameworks that that um, you know, kind of started with Piaget's work. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, in some ways, um, Maslow is a bit of a, a human development framework. Um, the, the ones that are quite prevalent right now that are deeply researched, uh, I like Robert Keegan's five levels of, of human development, and that's cognitive development. And then another one that is uh, even more robust is spiral dynamics, which um, uh, was originally created by Claire Graves, but there's been a lot of people contributing to it. And Ken Wilber did some philosophical work on it. Um, and are you are you probably familiar with Spiral Dynamics? I would. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'll give. Um, um, and are you familiar with Keegan's model of like like the socialized mind, the self-authoring mind, the self-transforming mind? I read it in your oh, uh, business yeah. needs to grow up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, Keegan's second tier deals with ego development. Ego development spiral dynamics is really um, supposed to happen at the lower levels, you know, accumulating in red. So like really we're, we're really should deal with our ego developments. Um, in the sense that we we've we've got a strong foundation. The ego is still present, of course, but we've we've transcended the you know the the you know the hungry ghost that really needs to achieve you know at an adolescent level. But this is not what what's happening you know in society so much. We have um, and part of it is that we 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 sometimes don't let the ego go out and play when we're young, and so we suppress it. And then it has to come out later um, or the ego 
with our systems, like think of external incentives, this is not helpful for ego and development when they're very direct and they don't consider the whole, they don't consider extrinsic, um, um, you know, effects of, of things. So external incentives can also very much drive ego. So our systems socialize um, an unhealthy ego development. And if you know, looking at the lens of spiral dynamics, I feel that um, we we have unhealthy ego development, and it's being expressed. If you recall, like the, the traditional, like orange, and then you've got green, which kind of associated with postmodern or modernism. Um, we have unhealthy egos, so like red, that's manifesting in both orange and green. So we have red, orange, red, green, um, because of the unhealthy ego development that our systems have perpetuated our parenting styles. And, um, and, um, and so this to me is a bit of a, a root problem that, 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 you know, I've observed. If you um, if you recall Amber and spiral dynamics, that really doesn't exist so much anymore. It, it exists in the other systems because Amber was the, um, um, like the metaphor is the army. It's like, the, this was when we had very rigid hierarchical systems, both in work that were very conformative, like conformative, like, um, like for example, um, in World War II, you know, the Germans were um, very much a hierarchical society. So they were the most educated, but yet, um, you know, they still needed to follow the authority because, you know, we didn't have the internet back then. And so the teachers, you know, they were the smartest, like they had the, the best educational system, but they were also, they would look for that authority, which, you know, is um, a socialized behavior because of hierarchy. We're now in our educational system socializing for green, you know, um, and so kids are right away in most, you know, going, uh, you know, right to green, you know, depending on their, their background and, um, mm. And so this is why, you know, we, the ego that sees things as absolutist, that always wants to be satisfied, always wants more, never, you know, this is to me why it's a, it's a real root problem in our society today. Wait, what is, what is the real uh, problem? The, the unhealthy ego development. So, and, and then allowing mm. these um, ego people that, um, you know, be, because the ego wants to be seen, wants to achieve, um, they're also seeking power in our society. Mm. And so that combination is a very unhealthy combination for our future. Okay, so inside of that, knowing the, the macro structural that we're in green, and also knowing that uh, unhealthy ego development <clears throat> is the root of the problems that we see in society, yeah, we're in a we're in polarities of like traditional and postmodern. So we're actually in culture wars. Um, but the common thing is the unhealthy ego development, where we see the extreme um, extremism on each side, where you know it's kind of being seen as absolute. And so, like in spiral dynamics, we should really be like there's um, there's the second tier, which um, you know is like yellow, tur uh, um, teal, and turquoise, and but. Uh, this is when you start to understand the paradox, you start to understand, you know, more of a systems view, and you see that um, there's partial truths in each of these, and you're, and like teal, for example, is the ability to actually integrate them, you know, yellow sees them, understands them, teal actually integrates them, 
into a whole, which is like complementarity, which is like even rooted in alchemy, bringing these opposites together into a unified whole. And um, so, yeah, so, so, so instead, so instead of that, this podcast, I'm very much a Taoist, right? I don't believe. Oh, in, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in. I don't believe in one polar positive polarity or negative polarity. I believe that's the answer is contextual and lies in somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So it's it's, it's hard. It, it is hard for me to give an absolute answer to something and really annoys some of the people and audience people if they don't embrace this integrated approach to life. So. Inside of that, how do you, sir, uh, someone who creates containers, whether it be business or camps, to create an environment that works for every one of your participants? I've got a visitor here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, you're you're going into another another question, but I, as you can see, my my family and my son are home, but. Okay. You know, this whole subject of um, eat, like this, this is a, this is a, this is a rabbit hole um, in, in itself, but um, at the root of it though, it's really opening and inviting people in to their own journey, um, their own authenticity, their own in Keegan's model, self-authoring. And so, assist, so I believe our systems play a really big role in supporting that. And then when people like when ego, as it will go astray, we as a society co-regulate that. And so we want wait, wait, wait. one more time, last sentence, we, one more time. We co-regulate. So we need to offer that reflection back and together allow for that learning and then integration and you know allow the ego to be seen and, and sometimes it's not ready to be seen um in, in, so it's it's a it's a subject that i've been fascinating uh, fascinated with and i've seen you know how people that are you know i've seen unhealthy egos continue to be perpetuated i started writing a series of articles around tying it to spirodynamics and trying to really identify the problem and um, and see if you know just to really start a dialogue about what are the solutions you know for this, and I've certainly got you know some ideas, but um, I'm, I'm really trying to understand this a lot better. Beautiful. Well, let's do a part two on this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your truth. I know we went longer, oh, yeah. uh, but but I think that's a sign of a good conversation. Christopher, oh. I really appreciate you. Enjoy yeah. the rest of your family time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and inspire you on your journey towards purpose. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of this episode with all the important links at noblewarrior.com forward slash episode number. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you. So share a review on Apple and let me know what part of this podcast episode resonated with you the most. Remember, your higher self constantly points you towards your purpose. And now is the time to take action towards that.